1: Welcome to Ireland's Birth Stories, a podcast created for women to share their experiences with pregnancy and birth. My name is Cora Gurnan and I've created this space to enable women to share their experiences from start to finish without feeling shy about the detail. If you would like to support the podcast you can do so through Patreon. I have attached the link on the website so if you just visit the website irelandsbirthstories.ie you can then find the Patreon link there. Thank you to those that have. In this week's episode, I chat to Rosie and she talks me through her two pregnancies and births. Rosie talks me through her experience birthing in the water in the womb. She had a really positive experience, but she did hemorrhage, so she had to quickly exit the pool to be looked after and she also had to have a helping hand with her placenta. She talks us through those postpartum days and she definitely thinks that she struggled first time round in comparison to the second time round, but she does believe that she... Asking for help was definitely a component in making sure the second transition was a lot smoother. She then talks us through her second pregnancy and birth. And although her second pregnancy postpartum was definitely easier, she suffered with anxiety throughout her second pregnancy. So she was in and out of hospital for various reasons or suspected um, difficulties. But thankfully, all was fine uh, with little James who arrived swiftly but safely so thank you Rosie for being so honest and sharing sharing so much detail I really appreciate it and I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Rosie you're very welcome to the Ireland's Birth Stories podcast.
2: Thank you it's so nice to have like to be here I'm a massive fan (laughs) and
1: we actually know each other We, we we Years back we would have known each other or kind of played in the same group. Yeah, yeah. Maybe 20 years later that we've
2: yeah met again. And then you saved my child in, in a playground once. Um thanks for that, Cora. Bad.
1: Yeah. Didn't know what to do. <laughs> my dad. Yeah. It
2: was the one time
1: I needed chocolate. It was the one time I needed I chocolate. No,
2: but you did. You saved the day. Thanks a million.
1: So let's let's um dive straight into it and just introduce yourself first
2: yeah so um my name's Rosie and my husband's name is Ross and we have two little boys so um both of which have birthdays coming up now so Kieran will be three at the weekend and James will be uh one two weeks after that so ah, um okay. yeah they're both February babies so um can't believe they're that age already but the quickest quick I know was the for a a lot of people it was the longest year of people's lives but for me it was the quickest Um, Mm. and yeah so I'm a physio here in Nace and Ross is teacher in Kill so we're all very local and uh, living in Johnstown so that's us in a nutshell
1: do you want to tell us about um, conception on your first baby so was your pregnancy planned
2: Yeah. Our pregnancy was planned, yeah. So myself and Ross had known each other a very, very long time. Um, like we met in two thousand and six. So I was sixteen and Ross was seventeen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we got married in twenty fifteen. So like we would have been considered like very young. if People kept calling me a child bride. Um, to get married. Um, so that was in twenty fifteen and we like we were renting we were having the crack and you know loving life um and then like I was just so eager to have a baby um but like we did have you know we had a lot of fun for those two years and then in 2017 um we decided to go for it so we got pregnant um thankfully very easily so once my periods came back after stopping the pill um so after that happened after I'd had a real period we got pregnant straight away so we were delighted um and then yeah so like it was a fairly like normal normal pregnancy um like i like i didn't have like i had the the normal level of fatigue like i was quite tired and things like that but like i had and i had minimal nausea but like in hindsight like i had nothing compared but i now meet more women and you know i i had absolutely no no problems that way um i did have like later on well it wasn't quite late like it was it was fairly about 20 weeks I had started to have quite bad um pelvic girdle pain mm-hmm. so that was quite difficult just in the job that I have because um I work with small babies so I'd be up and down off the floor and things like that um and that was quite tricky but I went to see a physio a lovely physio in East hospital who put me right and that was that was great um and like other than that I had I did have I think I had two small bleeds on Chiron, um and they were they were minute but just that I'm Reese's negative um, and we knew Ross's blood type uh, so I knew that I'd have to go in to hospital when that happened the baby was always fine but it's just you know it's a big rigmarole going in mm-hmm. getting your blood taken getting the anti-D everything done so that was fine but like overall um I had a really really normal pregnancy other than the musculoskeletal kind of pain um and then like the I did have placenta priva but that all resolved as well um and then
1: so, just for those who don't know what placenta previa is, what uh, what can you explain what it is?
2: Uh, I can in my language. but anyone who's listening probably will, um, who actually knows. So, my I was told that my placenta was very low lying. It wasn't completely covering the birth canal, but it was it was low enough for them to monitor it. But it moved by itself, which. I heard, I heard later on that that happens like for the majority of women but I suppose I didn't know that at the time so after the anatomy scan like I was public in the womb. so after the anatomy scan you wouldn't typically if you had have a normal pregnancy have another scan but I had another one at 33 weeks and that showed that it had moved so that that was great um <laughs> and yeah, like the only thing I suppose that I was looking back on my pregnancy with Kieran was I was 100% going to, I wanted a natural labour. Like I, and that, and that was fine. I, it was, it was something that I really wanted, um, like being a physio and kind of working with small babies and things. And like, I just really trusted that my body could do this. Um, But in hindsight and having had done hypnobirthing for James, so I didn't do it on Kiran I really did not prepare for an alternate. I I had this was me like it was one hundred percent this this was what was happening, um and I signed up for the the water birth study that was happening mm-hmm. in the womb at the time. So like okay like I was I was lucky enough that like things went my way, but. I think I did really put myself in quite a dangerous position because I was like, I am having a water birth. There's nothing else happening, you know, um, like that. And like now, I know that you know, so many things can make that not happen in a hospital setting, you know. Um, and the criteria were for it were like so strict. There was a million hoops you had to pass through, you know, to to get it. Um, so yeah like I suppose in the background of all of this um Ross's mum was battling cancer um a long journey with cancer um and she passed away then two weeks before Kieran was born um so kind of during the final stages of our pregnancy um I suppose Ross was you know up and down to the hospital and it was you know it was extremely difficult time for for him for for him and you know that that pull of emotion like you know nearly feeling guilty to be excited you know with everything that's going on but like that was all going on in the background so um that was that was it was it was tough you know kind of the build up of excitement was there um but with all that going on in the background it was really really hard for him but yeah then so the day um my due date I had fully convinced myself you know like I was going to go over I tried to prepare myself for that um because my mum had gone over on all her pregnancies she she reckons her first baby my brother she reckons her dates were wrong and she reckons she was a good two weeks over because he came out like enormous you know filled fingernails the hair the works everything so i'd kind of prepared for myself for that but the baby had act so kieran had dropped at that stage and i felt this massive relief um of pain so whatever wherever he had been lying the relief in that last uh, week was just amazing that i couldn't help myself like i had gone from an extremely active person like i'm like running half marathons that type of thing to not being able to move so the minute I was in no discomfort, I was like, I'm out of here. I'm gone. So the day before, I mean, you know, Nace, I think the whole journey was about 12K. But I walked to so the day, his due date, I had an appointment in Nace Hospital. So I walked from Roseville, was renting a house in Roseville, walked all the way down to Nace Hospital. And I was like, sure, I'll just pop into work. And I work in Enable, Ireland on the Jiggins Road there. So I walked all the way down there. And then what? I walked home. And, <laughs> yeah, like madness, like absolute madness. Like, so I was definitely getting like contractions you know but I just was like they're Braxton Hicks I've been having Braxton Hicks anyway um so I was like that's great that's fine and then in the shower that night on his due date like this is the thing like people aren't going to believe me when I say this because so I was in this sh- oh I'd actually I'd had a show three days before actually that that had <laughs> happened and then I was in the shower and I put my hands up in the air to wash my hair and I, do you know, when you push the water out of your hair and there's like a splash in the shower, right? Simultaneously, I heard a splash and I was like, was that my hair or was that like, well, I don't know what that was. And I was like, nah, like nah, because I'd read, you know, your water, like, waters don't break in whatever percentage of women. And it was unlikely. And I was like, no, nah, it couldn't be like, it was just you're making stuff up now because you want it to happen. So I went to bed, but during the night, mm-hmm. there was this weird sensation where every time I lay down, I could feel fluids like pooling. Mm-hmm. And then if I moved, say if I rolled in the bed or anything like that, it would trickle. And it wasn't a lot like it wasn't pouring. It was like little trickles. So I went on for the night and I had a brilliant night's sleep. Like, thank God, like absolutely brilliant night's sleep. And then sent Ross packing off to work the next day. Ross texted me that morning. I still have the text message, the street grab saved my phone saying I have a staff meeting this evening. So if you could go into labor, like that would be really handy just so I don't have to go. Like uh, yeah, um, and then like about like half eight in the morning, kind of like around that time. He was working in Dublin at the time, so he did, left early. And I f- kept feeling these trickles. And I was like, like, I don't think that's weed. <laughs> I was like, so I was like, I text him and I said, look, I think I'm being paranoid, but something in, in me, in me, is just telling me to go get this checked. And he was like, right, I'll leave work, I'll be home. And I was like, no, like I, I like, I'm not having contractions, like nothing. I can get myself there, I'll get checked out and I'll come home again. Like this becomes a pattern in my pregnancies, by the way, like the complete denial. So I met my neighbor out in the way, and she was like, She seen me with the suitcase, and because I brought the suitcase, you know, just in case or whatever. And she was like, Where are you going, Rosie? And I told her, and she was like, You are not driving to And I was like, No, I am. Like, I'm not a neighbor. I promise you, I'm not a neighbor. So I got in the car, and then on the long mile road, I felt a contraction. So I I was like, oh, like it like like now I know. And from what I know now, like it was only like it was nothing. Like, but it lifted me out of it. Like I I wasn't, I was, like, oh, I was like, that's a contraction. So I was on a long mile road, traffic as usual, like stuck in traffic because it was only 10 o'clock ish kind of um and I headed up and then there was a massive queue to get into the Coombe car park. Like it was just, it was so big and like, I definitely had time to wait in the queue. Like, you know, like he wasn't born for hours later, but I I couldn't sit down anymore. Like I just, I wanted to stand up. But I just couldn't sit. So I got about three cars away and I just gave up and I got out of my car and I pulled up on the path and I went over to the security guard and I gave him the keys and I was like, I'm at labour, I'm, I'm going into the queue. And like, he didn't bat an eyelid, like it must happen all of the time so he said he'd park the car whatever and I went in and uh, I went up and explained to them that like I thought he was feeling something but you know wasn't sure I was trying to downplay it I just I get really embarrassed in this situation like these situations and I'm like I don't want to be wrong like because I don't want to be embarrassed you know it's really weird I don't know why it'd be so weird and so I went in and I I didn't even really I didn't really explained I really wasn't coping with the contractions. I hadn't been timing them because I was driving, but they were far apart. But they were painful. Um, so I got in, and she, I explained to her that like this trickle sensation. She was like, "Look, it's probably not your waters. Like, if it was your waters, you would have felt this big gush." And be, but because I wasn't sure that it happened, she was like, "No, like I really don't think so." So she checked anyway, and it was positive. So she, my waters had gone. Um, and she was like, "Look." I can see here like on the monitor that the baby's fine and you're you are contracting but like this is your first baby this has only started like less than an hour ago go home do you know like you you don't want to be here for this long um I mean she was like like, you 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 know you come back to me I mean she had a timeline from when I thought the waters possibly had broken I can't remember how many hours she gave me left but she said go home for a significant amount of time but I I just wasn't able to I was like I, I really can't go home. I was scared at that point and I hadn't done hypnobirthing and I hadn't prepared because in my naivety I I prepared for a water birth in my head. Um and I had completely omitted the early stages of labor from my preparation. Do you know why? It was just pure naivety. Um, And I just said to her, I was like, I I can't go home. And she was absolutely completely, you know, 100 percent on board with that. She was like, if that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do. That's absolutely fine. They couldn't have been more supportive of me, given that how early of my stage of labor I was and from what I've heard from other women is like although they encourage you to go home like if it, if if you feel safer in hospital and you don't want to go home they do let you stay they don't they don't kick you at the door
1: I had the same experience um yeah yeah I was I wasn't even dilated and they just let me yeah let me stay there it's fine
2: let you stay yeah and I think you're not really given that impression in the classes and stuff um because they want to encourage you to stay at home and I completely understand why it's better to stay at home and everything but yeah, I just, I couldn't bring myself to drive back down that road, and then the thoughts of getting stuck in traffic on the way back up, so, yeah, so I called Ross, and he made his way in, his um, dad dropped him over, because he didn't want two cars and stuff, so, um she's the lady the nurse who had examined me told me if I'd like to use the shower she'd go get my towels I hadn't managed to carry my bags in from the car because I just was panicking and stuff so they were lovely to me and they gave me towels and they told me to go have a shower and everything um and in the shower things just really ramped up for me really really quickly so like I had been told to go home at 11 um and by half 11, I wasn't coping. And um, you know, if I had done some preparation, I would have been able to cope. But I just didn't know what to do because I hadn't prepared for it. Um, and Ross got there and we were down in the the end of the where they bring you when you are in the early stages of labour. I can't remember what they call that, that area. But I was like the really embarrassing, loud one. <laughs> Um, and I, I remember, like, I'm so mortified by what was coming out of my mouth, but I just kept asking people for help, like, like something. <laughs> it's just really, but Um, I was panicking, like, I tried the tens, it didn't really do anything for me, and I was trying the ball and trying to relax, and this wasn't it. Anyway, so then this angel appeared, <laughs> Um, so Paula Barry came down to sign my consent forms because I met the criteria to have a water birth, and I'd said that I wanted it. so she came down and she saw how distressed i was like she just saw um and she just stayed with me and she she really calmed me down and um as much as i really didn't want to be examined again at that stage she could see i was in a lot of distress so i think they took pity on me even though it was very quick after my previous examination and they examined me again and they were like no like this is just progressing really quickly, you can actually go down to the pool now. So this was like less than an hour after I'd been told to go home. Um. So on the way down, like I remember Paula saying, st- like Paula, uh, although she was conducting the study, she didn't typically stay, but she told me after, she just, she, for some reason, she was like, no, I'm actually staying. So and I'm very thankful for that she did stay um, because she she walked with me down to the pool and um, she... Just really calm me down. Remember, on the way down, she was like, and in hindsight now, I know what she's talking about because I prepared better for James. But she was like, and what what did you do to prepare and like what breathing techniques like and let's use them now. And I was like, breathe, like breathe in and out. I don't really. (laughs) Um. So we went down. And did you just trust that your body would tell you? I I did, and I had this, but it it was there, and I think that was that that was good in a way because but I just had this weird trust that my body would do like do it like yeah like I I was very logical about I'm logical about everything and you know like I I study the body like I study movement and I was like it can do this like (laughs) you know so but but I didn't prepare for the early stage of the labor and like that was a mistake that was a big mistake I, I probably prepared for delivery like but forgot all, everything that comes before that um yeah so we went down and the room was lovely where the the water where the pool was it was just so lovely and but I like just thinking back on this now like they do you know that they give you the option of like you can wear whatever you want in the water or wear nothing at all like I just went full primal in that moment. And Ross said, I just started stripping off. Like <laughs> nobody like said anything to me. I'm like, I, I like only looking back on this now, like I literally just stripped off. Like I was like, okay, I'm getting in the water. Yeah, I not? know no, I know, but like I just jumped, jumped it. <laughs> not jumped. <laughs> um, but I I can't describe the moment. I mean, I know you've experienced with the I can't describe the feeling of that water hitting my body like Mm -hmm. it was heaven like in that moment it was just heaven like I was panicking like I was I was saying like I was screaming for help I was hysterical I was I was distressed and I hit the water and I it was just so calm like I it was just um it was exactly what my body needed and like um I found a really comfortable position um and I pretty much stayed in the same position for the whole of the rest of the labor then kind of like leaning forward on my knees and then my head on the edge and I didn't want Ross to touch me or anything I was really I just didn't want anyone to touch me or anything like that but Ross kept making sure that I was taking sips of water Mm -hmm. and he'd hand me the gas and air whenever I needed it um so I don't really remember much like I just feel like I went into this complete zone. Um, Ross had put on our the playlist that we prepared, and I had listened to it throughout the pregnancy. All my eyes were closed for the majority of it. And um, the midwives completely left my to my own devices, like as in they were there to do the intermittent monitoring. Um, so I'd have to kind of, so there was a few times when they they tried to do it in the water that I didn't have to move there was a few times that I had to turn over for them to, just to check with the monitor um that the baby was okay and that yeah I just I can remember that like like I just like I just turn over like and like no no clothes on I just float to the top of the water and it's just like the image of that like it must have looked like a
1: hippo or something you know? just like... no, I was thinking a gorgeous pregnant <laughs> mermaid not a hippo <laughs>
2: <laughs> um. So then, yeah. So that went on. So yeah, like I went down to the water about one. He was born at ten past three. So at some point, then like uh, yeah, I don't really remember much to be honest of that room, like other than just being in. I knew I was just I was like I can do this in here. I I couldn't do it out of there, but I can do this in here. But I do remember there's one point that I remember where. Uh, I just heard this voice saying I'm just going to take my break and I heard that and I hadn't heard anything else in the room and I just turned to Ross and I I know now that it was transit like that transition moment And I turned to Ross and I was like Ross I can't do this anymore now I had been silent for like an hour just in the zone listening to the music and it was just like Ross I can't do this anymore like I really can't do this I think I need like I think I need an epidural, like everything and I just remember going I won't go take break so like just I just heard that like she obviously knew that okay, so something <laughs> was happening or whatever. um so they came over and they were like, um they could tell from the line, I can't remember the, the Bobs line. line can't remember that um yeah, like things were progressing. and then a few moments later, like I'm not really sure when um, one of the uh, midwives, everything had been said to me through Ross up into this point, that wasn't a request I made, it just, that's how they'd done it, Um, but she just said to me, like, really softly, she was like, Rosie, I'm, on your last contraction, I could see the head, Um, and I was just so shocked, like, I was, like, prepared for this, such a long labour, so, yeah, I pushed for about, like, uh, about 15 minutes, maybe just a bit less than 15 minutes then, and he came out and uh I just yeah it was amazing um like just the greatest moment ever he he came out um and they they got him for me and then placed him on my chest um I remember wherever Ross was in my eye line it was so funny like I remember all I was I was holding this baby and I was looking up Paula Barry the midwife and she was like look at your husband <laughs> like, why are you looking at me <laughs> Oh, so I was just whatever it was and it was amazing but but unfortunately then I had to get straight out of the water because I'd had a hemorrhage um okay. in the pool and like it wasn't like and it wasn't an emergency situation or anything like that but I in hindsight and knowing what I know now which I'll get to but they they I think they were afraid I was going to pass out in the water uh from the hemorrhage so I had to get out really quickly and like really quickly I had to get out of the water so um and then yeah I think I sat in the bed for a while I my memory is really hazy it feels like after that I was in the room for five minutes but uh, I was actually in the room for hours um before so I think it was about two two hours and it feels like five minutes but so I had him on my chest and they got him to latch for me and it was amazing but all the time like they were monitoring the blood loss and they'd get me to get off the bed because um the placenta didn't look like it was coming and so I'd have to keep getting up and you know trying again to they had all these different like techniques and they were trying to get me to squat and everything um and then they tried to I don't know what the right word is, like manipulate my tummy to like, but like I wasn't really able for that. Like it was, it, I found that very uncomfortable. They tried, um, but both the blood loss and then the placenta didn't deliver after, I can't remember the maximum amount of time, but they allowed it the absolute maximum amount of time and the placenta didn't come. Um, so at that point then because the hemorrhage and the blood loss um I had to go to theater so uh, I had this beautiful student midwife with me I have her name written somewhere because uh, but um Emily if she ever, if she remembers but it was her first ever birth like to to see and uh so she came with me to theater and she held my hand through the whole thing because Ross was with um Uh, the baby and with with Kieran and yeah like I I think because of where I work and I've worked in different like many different hospitals and I've worked in ICU and I've worked like I've worked everywhere like I had I had no fear going to theatre like I was like I trusted them like I trusted them so much and like I I Afterwards, with different things that happened with James, I was asked um, by a by a psychiatrist or by a psychologist. I was asked like, like did like was it considered traumatic? But honestly, one hundred percent for me, like that was not traumatic. Like I trusted these people completely. Um, and I was brought to theatre, and um, ironically, after natural delivery, I had to have an epidural for this procedure. Um, so, so, you wouldn't be the only one. So that's I had to. an epidural, and I had to tell the I know. So I, the anesthetist, I had to explain to him that I was a crazy woman who, like you know, I wasn't scared of pain of natural delivery, but I was scared of an epidural. Um. So I just told them. I told them straight out. I was like, "You hold me, whatever way you want to hold me, but I don't want you to tell me when it's happening, and I don't want you to show me anything." so that he I heard him explain that to everyone else in the room okay. and they whoever the the other people kind of held me in a position and it was done and I didn't even like it was nothing it was fine um but it was the thought of it for me um and then so they manually moved my placenta um and I don't really know what that involved like well, I do know what that involves now and then they so at the time I didn't and they I had a secondary tear, uh, which they stitched. Um, but I had a lot of grazes and things like that. So she had said to me that even if my placenta hadn't delivered, I would have been brought to theater, even though they were, they were only minor where they were and the grazes, I would have needed to go to theater because they I wouldn't have tolerated them doing the stitches um any other way. So I was in theatre. I had that. Actually, there is one thing, like just for anyone else this happens to, I did get one panicked at this stage because with the epidural, apparently you, like I didn't know this, but my limbs started to shake like uncontrollably. So my whole upper half of my body was shaking uncontrollably. Like little shaking, like not like, like I was cold, but couldn't, like it, it was not voluntary. And I said it to the anaesthetist and he was like, look, this is a really common reaction. It's nothing to worry about. There is a drug I can give you to counteract it if you like and I said like if it isn't normal and am going to pass and he said yes and I was like but then I, I don't need anything else as long as you're saying this is normal but I just never knew that could happen so it was a bit freaky when it did um so then yeah I I went was brought back to recovery after about two hours um and Ross had been thankfully like um Ciaran had had enough of a feed with me that you know he had been fine and, and he had been asleep for the whole time Ross had eaten my toast which you know was not I'm not impressed with but they got me more <laughs> so um that was <laughs> <laughs> um the magic tea and so I got more and then did you have a blood, blood transfusion no okay. but so my hemoglobin levels are always really high um, I really should know this, but I think like 14 or is it 14 point something is like, you know, you know, peak. And my aim would go like, uh, so they'd always been sky high. And that was just like me. That's normal for me. So they never dipped below, I think, 10, even with the blood loss. I could be wrong with that. I'm Mm -hmm. so sorry if I am, but it, it never dipped to that benchmark where you need a transfusion. So it was just slightly above. Um. But to be honest like I really had such a tough recovery after I wonder would I have benefited from one mm. um because I I had nothing to compare it to and my I was incredibly weak for for a week four weeks do you know like for a long long time um and I only know that's different now because of James do you know, that that wasn't necessarily how it should have felt um so yeah I was brought back and then obviously I'd had the epidural and everything so I couldn't move like it still hadn't um it hadn't worn off or anything like that and I had a catheter and um so and I re like I was adamant I was breastfeeding so I had a great support on that first night like they really gave me loads of attention they knew like you know everything like that I couldn't move so like every time um the baby needed to be fed I'd ring the bell they they hooked they even like they made sure the bell couldn't go anywhere like they pretty much wrapped it around the bedpost so like it was always beside me because they knew I couldn't move and then I'd buzz it every time he stirred and they'd come in place him on me latch him on for me come back wrap him up everything and they they changed his nappies for me everything that first night I think I came back so late onto the ward and it was the middle of the night it was you know so they they were really good because I I still couldn't move. I couldn't feel anything. Um. So yeah, like the, so that night, I suppose I had loads of help. On night two then, night two was a bad night for me. There was lots of tears because I just could not get this child to latch without help. Like I really, I just couldn't do it. I just, and that was another really naive point for me where like I really never got the fact that like a baby has to learn how to latch Uh, like so you're both learning in that process like a baby's learning to latch and you're learning how to latch a baby and I I didn't prepare for that but like nobody told me to either you know but I didn't so I had um the the midwives on night two were obviously really overstretched um and probably dealing with women like me, like I had been the night previous. You know, like I was mobile at this stage. So they, but I did have. I was just in tears, and this lovely midwife. And I'm really sorry that I can't remember her name, but she came in and she sat in the end of the bed, and she just said, "What's wrong?" And I said, "Like I just can't get him to latch." With help, like every time I a care assistant has to come in and latch him for me, like I just can't do it myself. And um, then, so she just she was exactly who I needed in that moment and she didn't have the time to sit with me but she had obviously prepared in she'd been in this situation before and she had typed out like a list of YouTube links of different um latches and she said have you got your phone with you have you got your earphones with you she says, I'm not saying like people won't come in if you want to ring that buzzer you can ring that buzzer but she says would you just watch these videos and see if they help and they did like they were so there was different holes in the videos and like different techniques that you could try like the is it like the flipple (laughs) flipple like all these different things that you could like to help him open his mouth and um she was just like and that's that was all I needed I just needed someone to go like how do you do this like where do you start and she just handed me that because I found that the leaflets they give you not very good I found it much easier to watch in a video um so I remember texting Ross like after in the middle of the night and I was like Ross like I'm doing it like I'm feeding him like I haven't slept in like three days but like I'm doing this I'm feeding him myself and I was just on cloud nine that he was feeding it wasn't like a perfect latch, um and it was tricky but I could do it um so yeah, I stayed like three nights and then we went home. But the latch just um I really struggled, like really, really struggled. Um I just persevered despite the discomfort and despite the pain. Um and then a public the public health nurse came out and his weight was like stable and enough that she wasn't gonna send me back in and explain what she did and she said, Look, you are doing you're doing the right thing. It's okay, like um but she said to me, you know, he has a tongue tie, like a quite a significant tongue tie. So when Kieran, I'll I'll send you a photo actually Cora because like now, like like how I didn't see this in the job that I'm in. But like his little face was a heart shape, like it was fully, like it was quite severe. So I got she told me about um the Camden Clinic, Dr. Alan O'Reilly and I got and managed to get an appointment to like the next day. And we went up and he did it and he he grades them. Um, and I know like I've spoken to speech and language therapists about this, and I know they're they're probably overdone, but I did trust him, and he had a lactation consultant with him that day working with him, and they were like, No, this is severe, like this is a severe tongue tie, like like there's no way he can actively um you know move his tongue the way he wants to move it to to get it like an adequate supply and I don't know. So that's what they told me, look, I don't know. But uh, once they did it, I had no issues. So they, they he so he latched immediately after I had that done. And no, we never had any issues since. Um, like I had all the, I would, it was never pain, but all of this comfort was gone, everything. Um, so for, for him, it was the right decision um so yeah that's (laughs) Kira. um and then then Jamesy so um yeah James was so James was planned like again um harder to get to the point where we were pregnant I did start to panic a little bit but like and I know I have no like I, I should not have it took us about six months to get pregnant but I it was, you know, like I just wanted it to happen. Um, in hindsight, I couldn't have not have done that age gap and I'm thankful for those six months, but, (laughs) um, yes. So what did
1: you do? Did you track your ovulation and your temperature? I I
2: tracked ovulation, um, for the first four cycles that we were trying. Um, but it was, it was prescriptive, it was too prescriptive for us. um, like it just was not enjoyable turning that into a job you know so I I say I didn't track for my last two cycles but I knew when I was ovulating I just didn't use the app or didn't use the sticks mm. on the last two do you know to try, try and take the stress out of it yeah so we got pregnant with uh Jamesy then like in 20 in 2019 um so that pregnancy was like a bit different um it kind of started out like um so I had a cyst on my I'd been I was having a lot of pain and I had um I was having a lot of pain in my abdomen and I'd been diagnosed with an ovarian cyst that was quite big that was being monitored um which was a little bit unnerving like I tried to convince myself nothing was wrong but in the midst of all that and waiting for appointments and stuff I follow up appointments We got pregnant. Um so we we had like an early an unplanned early scan because we had a scan for my ovarian cyst to see if it had grown, but we got to see the baby. Um so the baby was there and he was fine and we could see a heartbeat and everything. That was about eight weeks like um so and the cyst had disappeared, like just disappeared in Mm. air, uh, once I got pregnant. So um that was kind of a relief and then the 12-week scan was uh normal I was a lot more anxious this time around like that like something was gonna happen I don't know why wasn't it but it was fine and um yes yeah, so the 12-week scan was normal and we happened to be going on holidays that day down centre parks um and that was it was just the most magical week down there because like we were pregnant and Kieran was at an amazing age like he was watched like like 18 months kind of like just it was picture perfect and then on the last day of the holiday um the day before we left I got a phone call and I from work I just recognized the number of May's Hospital and I was like oh god like why are they ringing me so I answered the phone and um it was the was one of the ladies who had done my my scan and she was lovely on the phone but I just knew her her voice and um she just said to me look I've reviewed your scans Rosie and um like I'm really sorry but I need you to go for a follow appointment I've reviewed them and I'm not happy with the measure so I my, my recollection of this conversation is extremely vague so the only thing I can I can recall from the conversation is she said measurements head and neck and that like I'm sure she said more to me but like that's all I heard um and then given my job and stuff I was like right well if they can see something that's abnormal at a 12-week scan like get something serious because like you know uh, how much of the baby is formed and so I had to go for um to see like a specialist in the coom, um but they couldn't get me an appointment for a week so it was the worst week of our lives like mm-hmm. we just we, yeah, it was absolutely horrific. So we went up to this room and in the coom and we met this lovely, um lovely specialist and um, we walked in the door and I just burst into tears. Like I was like, just absolutely like floored with the tears. And she's like, look, like, why are you here? And we were like, like, we don't know why we're here. <laughs> like, why are we here? And she just looked baffled. And we were so confused and she was like, look, like uh, they never sent over your scans. So like, I don't know what we're looking at here, but I'll just rescan you now and we'll talk about what we see. So she re-scanned me and she was like, there, there's nothing abnormal about this baby. Like there's, this baby's perfect. And um, there's nothing, like for for this stage of gestation, like there's nothing she could say definitively that was, that was wrong um so yeah so that was what like 14 maybe 15 weeks okay yeah so um i think at that appointment then maybe i'm wrong but maybe they can't tell gender at that age but she was definitely the one who told us the gender of the baby then um and um yeah so she agreed to do my follow-up care i like i think she thought that i was angry at the situation but i was in no way angry everyone was just doing their job um and I was relieved like incredibly yeah. relieved. um so she um said she would do my anatomy scan um you know and so that was that was fine and um kind of in the middle then like I had I in total I had four bleeds on James um some of them bigger than the other um so, like, I found all, of, like, they were never massive. They were, and some of them were only spotting. But because of the is negative, I'd have to go in every time. Um, And they could never find out where the bleeding was. And I'm not saying anyone enjoys being examined. But I find it incredibly distressing. Um, and that's just me. And I don't know why, for me. Because there's nothing, it doesn't hurt. Like, it's not about anything like that. I just find it really distressing. So the whole experience for me, I really did not like especially because every single time they could never find out where the bleeding was coming from um and then on the the fourth occasion um I was admitted at that point um no actually so on the third occasion I had an absolute breakdown in the assessment unit and I just could not cope any more with that and I yeah, so they just, um, a lovely midwife came in and she was like, look, like you're very upset and everything. And I was like, look, I, I don't know why I'm upset. Like, I know the baby's fine. Like, I, I kind of brushed everything under the carpet, you know, with the beads and how, how much they were really affecting me. Mm. Um, But she, so she referred me to psychology in the coom, which was great. Like, I was so thankful for that. And I'm very happy that I admitted what was going on in my head that day. Like, I suppose I had a lot of guilt Because of where I work, that like I know there can be adverse outcomes, and I wasn't having any. My baby was always fine, and I had a lot of guilt for feeling sad. You know, given that my baby was fine, um, but I had to acknowledge like how it was, how it made me feel, I suppose, and I, and it was only at that point I did. Um, so there was a clinical nurse specialist I seen a few times there, which was great, um, and then. I yeah on the fourth time then I was admitted so for the bleeding because they were like like why does this keep happening to you and so I was admitted then and I found that really upsetting like just being away from Ciarán and I found the whole thing very distressing um and yeah so then I got a discharge from that time after about three days um and then after that I suppose there was just a few other things that really affected me like and like shouldn't have like but they did like and I have acknowledged that now that like it doesn't matter about like what happened it's about the way you feel about the situation you know and it's how you're feeling it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what has happened to you and it doesn't matter how it's compared to anyone else's story it's how it makes you feel that is important but that took a lot of you know it took me a long time to get to that point to acknowledge that Um, so the baby was measuring big and they thought I had gestational diabetes and it turned out I didn't so I had to go for testing for that and then they thought I had poly, I hope I say this right now polyhydro i um, amniosis
1: amniosis yeah, war,
2: excess water excess water and they were saying oh look like go up this is really late in the pregnancy now and they were like oh like yeah and this possibly means like you know like c-section or whatever early like or whatever like or induction sorry not c-section, induction early like if this is if it gets any worse and then I would go up to the coom and then in the coom they'd say no there's no Like so everything was just it was just a lot of to and fro and, and I kept think, think being told something was wrong when there was nothing ever wrong and then the baby on one of the scans because they kept scanning him for the for his growth because they thought I had gestational diabetes which it turned out I didn't but he was like stargazing do you know so like he was yeah and that like kind of like I was like oh god it's going to be a painful labor or whatever um and I couldn't get I just could not get the consultant my consultant to sign me off for another water birth like for love nor money was this man not letting me have one because of the previous hemorrhage um so eventually like through much persuasion and I'm talking a lot of persuasion he said I could labor in the pool but in hindsight I know that was because he knew I'd never make it into hospital because my labor on Ciarán had been fast like that's the only reason I think he signed that document um so it that was a bit that really stressed me out. Like really, really stressed me out because I I knew the labor I want you know, I knew this picture perfect labor that I'd had with Kieran or what I consider to be picture perfect and I really wanted it again and I just wasn't allowed to have it. And that really it wasn't that I allowed it, like I I sound like he dictated to me. He really didn't. He fed me the information and I had to make an informed decision. Like, you know, it wasn't, he wasn't, you know. Yeah, but yeah. um you know he explained the risks and everything like that so um then with jamesy then so uh, yeah it was just a bit stressful i find it a bit stressful overall and i'm glad i reached out and asked for help and that's all i'd say to anyone is like don't be afraid no matter how small the thing is like just talk talking helps and um there is supports there so then with james um i was having braxton hicks for months like well at least a month and i'm talking like they build up at night time, like 12 o'clock at night. And like, they last like three or four in the morning. And I'd be like, this is the night, like, this is the night, like from 37 weeks. I was like, this is it, this is it. And then poof, nothing. So again, both of them were born one day after the due date. Um, They, I had been saying, I'd been having the Braxton Hicks, but this time during the day, and I never had them during the day. Well, I thought they were Braxton Hicks because they weren't painful. Um so I yeah so I we were here I was here with Ross and Ross had been off that day because it was midterm which was brilliant and we had a lovely day and we had coffee and we went for a walk and if anyone knows Johnstown we went for a walk up this massive hill at the back of our house like real steep incline and uh, back down the hill and then we were like right what do we do now and we're like right we'll go for lunch in the Elms so we went off and anyone who knows the YAMS, there was this really steep staircase. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so walked up, that so up and, and down
1: the go. stairs, like a lunatic. <laughs> uh,
2: I went, I went into labor walking up those stairs, like, um, but I wouldn't admit it to myself. you know, I was like, but basically I got up and ordered my food and I was like, Roth, I actually, I can't, I can't sit down. Like I was literally sitting in the chair, ordered my food. The waitress walked away and I shot up and I was like, oh God, like, here we go. But like, that was my first proper contraction. So I was like, but this isn't going to like happen in a second. So I was like, Ross, just finish your lunch. Like, it's fine. But I was like, these are close together. Like I wasn't timing them. I was like, these are not like, you know, more than five minutes apart. Like if anything, they're even closer together. And. Um, so when he'd finished then we walked we walked back to the car and we, we went home and ross was like do you want me to bring you straight there we had the bags packed and i was like no look i really don't want to be in hospital because I'm, I'm probably not going to be allowed to have water birth this time so i want to be at home for as much as possible i want to have a bath i want to listen to music but i just wasn't listening to my body unfortunately now i had done hypnobirthing with anya thank god and poor old anya i hope she listens to this because she texts me after it and she's like did you use your hypnobirthing and i was like no nope. there was no time but i did did use my head over thing that like I I knew I was safe I knew my body could do it and like I did use it I just anyway poor Anya I, I take it all back I did use it <laughs> um so we got home and Ross ran me a bath but it was probably a bad move we'd actually been in touch with the coom earlier that day because um a little boy that gets minded with Kieran had slapped cheek and I heard that that could be dangerous with pregnant women so I'd rang the coom and asked them about it and they actually rang me back um while I was getting out of the bath and they were like oh and they, she obviously knew by the way I was speaking to her on the phone she was like, I was like yeah I think I need to come in but like that car journey like every fiber of my body was like I don't want to be in a car. I do not want to be in that position. Like, I my body was fighting me to go back into the house. Like, it was just. It took me so many attempts to get out of the car, and like, it was off. It was an awful car journey. Like, we tried to listen to her. I have no words. Like, just I put. Like, I was just. I was in agony. Labour was progressing so quickly, and then we. So he sped through every light. Traffic was really bad. Weaving everything everywhere and we got there and got to the car park and I could barely walk at this stage and um so we walked into reception and like I was I knew I had to push it about the red cow I I knew I had to push and I told Ross I had to push um but he wouldn't listen to me he's like no just don't there was one lady was like oh you you can't go straight up like you can't go straight up you have to go register and the other woman an older lady was like she is not registering <laughs> I think they didn't want me to give birth like in reception mm. so they got me straight up in the lift and I was assessed in like a little like in the hallway like and I didn't make it into a room and then put straight kneeling on a wheelchair and he was born three minutes later oh my god so god I know so I got up on the bed um I got up on the bed and I it was two pushes. There he was, three minutes later. So it was all very, very quick and dramatic. What time was that at? <laughs> um, yeah. um, so he was born at half three. And we were having lunch at one o'clock in the eld.
1: Oh my God. Yeah, I know.
2: <laughs> so it was just, it was nuts like. And um he was very I did panic, like, and it probably was two seconds, but he didn't cry at birth. He was so shocked to be in the world yeah. that quickly, do you know? So I was panicking and I was screaming at them, like, why isn't he crying? Why isn't he crying? Like, I was being very dramatic, but I was just, you know, the adrenaline was pumping and everything. And then I had consented to this and, not, you know, but I did, I, I had consented to this and didn't know what was involved in it because I was too scared to know. But I had consented to a manual, remote, so fully managed third stage of labour. Is that how you, Um. And that was worse than the birth, like, you know, so like I find the birth fine. It was the the manual removal of my placenta was just that was that was hard. That was really, really hard. Um, And then, yeah, James was taken to special care for a little while because he was grunting. They reckon he had aspirated just because of the quick delivery. And I hadn't got a stage feed, like a chance to feed him at this stage because I was having the manual removal of my placenta. Um, so when they came back down to me they were like his blood sugars are so low his blood sugars are so low like what what can we do like can we give him you just bring him down to me and let me feed him so because I had asked to feed him on the way up and then this midwife was like no you can't feed him because he's grunting that means he's having struggling breathing which I understood but then at the same time like his blood sugars were going to drop so they brought him back down and I was just so thankful in that moment that I was the second time around breastfeeding this a baby because he was so exhausted like he was out for the count that child did not want to feed so luckily that I knew how to hand express so they were trying they were trying to tell me like you need to wake him up you need to strip him everything but I just hand expressed into his mouth when um, and it was like I was lucky enough that my claustrum was there like and you know um I knew what to do and I was confident that it would do and like you know like I got what three four drops into that child's mouth and they uh, the sugars came back up so it is magic you know? so um yeah I got his tongue tied on straight away because I knew it was as bad as Kieran's. Uh, so I had that done on day three with Dr Alan O'Reilly again um and then yeah so I had um My postpartum journey on James, I was very well supported because I didn't, I knew that I had needed help on Kieran, I hadn't got it. So I got help from the psychologist in Vista in NACE and she was amazing. I suppose I was really lucky in that I had amazing support. I'd met her once when I was pregnant and then everything else was after because of COVID because not a lot of people wanted to have phone support, but I had no issue with phone support. I was like, (laughs) That yeah. is fine with me. So like I was getting calls every week. It was brilliant. And um I had Ross home with me and I had Kieran home with me. And I'd had massive anxiety about whether to keep our child minor on and do what I have to keep sending him if I wanted to keep her and all this. But then he ended home with me for the whole year nearly. And uh, you know, it was a lot easier with the amount of support I had and I suppose I was incredibly open I was probably overly open talking about my mental health you know but it just helped me and like every PHN who came in even if they didn't explicitly ask I'd tell them and how I was doing (laughs) you know like um that just really really helped really really helped me like I'm not saying there wasn't crying days there was a few crying days but I had the support in place to you know to get through it um yeah so that was that was everything
1: (laughs) it's great that you were so open for ross's sake as well so he could understand yeah what was because even with sean when i was going through after he went through a bit of a wobble and he he sure he had no idea what was going on until i started speaking about it and he's like okay now now yeah i get it because they're they're very much in it as well and they need to understand they
2: do and like he he knew he knew when I needed to call her, like she was always on the end of his phone and he'd go like, do you want to just see like if she's free or whatever, I send her an email or whatever. And um, like I did the CBT online and things like that with her. And, yeah it was just it was great so yeah definitely go for the support and it is there like I know you hear all these reports about the, like you know waiting and I'm sure they do exist in in some areas and I know it's a bit of a lottery in terms of your postcode and stuff about what support is available but you don't know if you don't ask that's what I'd say exactly do you know yeah. and uh yeah that's it
1: thank you for sharing and as much as you did thank you for being so honest Oh you're welcome. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to share your story you're more than welcome to. You can get in touch via Instagram at Ireland's Birth Stories or you can reach out over the website irelandsbirthstories.ie. I look forward to bringing you another episode.